<laughs> what is up, everyone? Welcome back to the Fitness Stuff for Normal People podcast. I'm Mariana. And I'm Tony. And the fitness industry right now is not what it could be. It's become something built on unrealistic expectations, aesthetics, and external validation, directing attention away from what actually matters. The bottom line is we're not trying to provide just another fitness podcast, but completely change the industry for the better by providing you with the knowledge and tools to give you confidence in applying the best possible training and nutrition into your own lives. Where today we are going to be talking about something that I think it hits close to home for both Tony and I, but body image and self-esteem. So your self-esteem seems to predict success and well-being in life domains such as relationships, work, and health. So it's really important to pay attention to, and I feel like we always have room for improvement, just being a human being. So today we're specifically going to talk about the role they both play in achieving your fitness goals, your relationships, and literally any life goal you have, along with practical actions you could take to improve your body image and overall self-esteem. But before we dive into that, if you really like the episode or just the podcast in general, make sure to give us a five-star review wherever you're listening. And you can go ahead and follow us on Spotify if you haven't already to stay up to date on all of our new episodes. Hit the follow button. <laughs> and if you want more after each episode, join us over on Premium for just five bucks a month where you get a bonus episode every single Friday where we answer your questions. Where this last Friday, we did a massive AMA covering all of the individual questions that we had our audience ask about the sleep podcast that we did last week, like added tools such as mouth tape, different methods of falling and staying asleep and so much more. And we do a ton of other cool ish over there, <laughs> like a monthly $300 Legion giveaway, complete training programs like our 12 week push pull leg program we dropped a few weeks ago and so much more. Sign up for that is down in our show notes below. Five bucks a month, by the way. I just spent like $22, I think, on some new Fortnite skins the other night. What? Because did a, they did a collab with my favorite characters. And I bought them so I could be them in my game. I'm like, that was 22 freaking dollars. It's five bucks. That's nothing. Yeah. Anywho, quick shout out to our day ones, our besties, our homies over at Legion Athletics for sponsoring today's videos. Y'all know we spend a lot of time talking about them. If you ever need to re-up on your staples or try some new flavors, still head over heels for that sherbet pre-workout flavor you can it. use the legion link in our bio or type code fspod that's fspod for 20 percent off your first order or double points every order after that thank you legion <laughs> let's talk about this let me start this i'm talking to you dudes in this episode i feel like a lot of guys don't give as much credit or put as much importance in self-esteem self-image as females do it's yeah. so freaking important Mm -hmm. I, I, stupidly important like you're saying like it transfers to every aspect of your life because self-esteem i think guys see it as self-confidence too yeah the difference a good self-esteem can make in the trajectory of your freaking life i, I can't think of more things that trump that mm -hmm. yeah but a lot of people don't talk about it or at least take it too seriously yeah and, and i just think with like men's mental health i feel like the stigma is getting broken down a bit more, which is good. More people are talking about it, but it's still just because of societal expectations and standards. I feel like it's always going to be something that more men need to speak up about and like recognize, hey, this is important. And we're all silently struggling. It's mm -hmm. not like it's one's more like men or women more so than the other, but it's definitely something that you see more of a silent struggle with men. And I feel like that just people will often ignore this 
topic of self-esteem and body image and say, this mainly applies to women, mostly women in the fitness industry struggle with this. And it's so not true. Yeah. And that's where I'm like, cause I don't, you're right. It's not like just women struggle with it. Everyone struggles yeah. with it. But as a guy, and when I really struggled in my early twenties, late teens, it's not that guys don't struggle with it. I think it's that they don't take it seriously enough to address Yeah, a lot of the time because mm -hmm. of, like you said, a lot of the stigma that goes around, they think it's just something that you shouldn't even need to address because you're a guy. Mm -hmm. You just do that stuff. We're probably going to be talking about a lot of personal stories today. If I could just peer into the future, if I had to guess. Yeah. But I can't think of one more defining moment than when I started taking that seriously and what adds more to where I am today. Mm -hmm. Really. It's one of those things that bleeds into everything. And maybe I don't know if it's because it's not something that's measurable. Like we talk about a lot with fitness things, like you can measure your calorie intake, your macro distribution, your sets, your reps, your weights, whatever. You can measure all that right? There's like a numerical value that you can assign to it where this is something that's, uh, it's more complex than that. Yeah. Do you think that has something to do with it? Yeah. I feel like it's more like, it's just something you have to put daily work into, like have being in a good headspace, having good self-esteem. And it's more so your subconscious actions. I feel like how you're thinking about yourself, how you're going about your day, how you're doing things with, I feel like with the energy that you bring to your day-to-day -day life. It's so mental that sometimes it's really easy to just completely fake it and pretend like you're fine and just go through the motions and ignore that this is something that's really keeping you back in life. Yeah, absolutely. So we're going to first start off by, like we do a lot of, right? Communication is important. The most important mm -hmm. aspect of communication, defining what the freak the words that we're using even mean, yeah. just so we're all on the same page. Because I think there might be a little bit more nuance to this than I had realized when you brought this idea up. Yeah. But can we first start by kind of separating and defining what is self-esteem and then what is body image or yeah. self-image? Yeah. What, like, what's the difference with those words? Yeah. So there's, there's kind of a lot of overlap here. So I like to start with talking about body image because that's going to be a large focus, but it's almost like it's this, it can be a component of self-esteem is how I look at it. But Body image is how you see yourself when you look in the mirror, when you picture yourself in your mind. It's what you believe about your own appearance. So this can be influenced by your memories, your assumptions about yourself, your generalizations that you make about yourself. Also, it's how you feel about your body, just including your height, shape, weight. So when you just objectively think about, mm, how, how do I feel about this number on the scale or how tall I am? Mm. And then how you physically experience or feel in your body? Do you feel uncomfortable? Are you always paying attention to how your stomach feels or maybe your legs rubbing together or maybe you sit with a pillow on top of your stomach because you're insecure about it. You feel uncomfortable. Like that is a component of body image. So there's multiple okay. components there. Self-esteem relates to how much you like yourself and how you recognize or appreciate your individual character, qualities, skills, and accomplishments. So it's how you value and respect yourself as a person. And it's more about your whole self, not just your body. So self-esteem does impact how you take care of yourself emotionally and physically. And having low self-esteem can put you at a greater risk or increased likelihood of having poor body image. So they mm. really do go hand in hand. Most people who have negative body image also have lower self-esteem, but the body image piece can almost be looked at as just 
I would say a part of self-esteem almost. Yeah. It's one piece of you. Your body is one piece of you. It's a part of yourself. So how you feel about that? Yeah, they go largely together, but they can exist. So they can't be used interchangeably. But yeah, it seems like a, if we draw a big circle that is self-esteem, body image is a circle that lays somewhere inside of that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. So one, okay. Same, same, yeah. but different. Okay. Yeah. So that's what it is. And a lot of this that we're talking about, and again, I don't know about y'all listening to this. I actually don't even know about this with you. I do not like the foo-foo, woo-woo stuff that you might hear on social media, yoga, whatever it is. I'm not a fan of the food. If there's not science, if there's not a, a logical reason behind it, I really, really don't like it. And here's where I had a hard time with this initially of even just thinking about self-image, self-esteem, self-confidence to begin with. And I don't know if you did the same thing. I hesitated so much to even take it seriously because so much of it sounds on the surface very woo woo, mm-hmm. right? Very, you know, like the secret, the, what is it? The law of attraction with the book, the secret, right? Of just, you know, like think it and it will happen, right? Believe you'll be rich and you'll be rich. Can you tell me why that works like that? Or is it like, yeah. no, you just got to believe it. It's like, I can't, I'm not just going to believe it. I'm not just going to do it because it's written on some book. I'm going to question it. Mm-hmm. And I will say this, I don't know if you struggled with that, but there is a lot of logic and a lot of sound science and reasoning behind all of this. Yeah, there is. It just sounds woo woo on the surface, I think. And that's what we're going to hopefully do a good job of is breaking that down to get over it. If you relate to that at all, right? Mm-hmm. You might be someone who can totally go with the vibe, love it. But if you're someone who does need more structure, more analytical, I think we're going to add a lot to that here, mm-hmm. right? Did, did that struggle with you when you first started taking it more seriously? Did that bother you at all or not really? Not really. What I really struggled with is that piece of my self-esteem being like being low. I always recognized that I had poor body image for quite some time when I was in my early 20s. I knew it. I knew that. I knew that every single day mm-hmm. I thought about how I looked and I hated hated it. I refused to accept that I hated myself. That was mm-hmm. not even something like just I refuse to believe that my self-esteem was that low. So I didn't think it was a matter of working on literally my whole mental health space and how I viewed myself. Mm. I really just thought that I like, you know, I wasn't confident in my body and how I looked and nothing I can really do about it other than so, oh, you, like you just dismissed it of it's not my self-esteem it's something else even though yeah. you go into every day saying i hate this about myself i hate this yeah. you just dismissed and wasn't even a possibility yeah. that it would be so like i always oh, knew there okay. was something i could do about it like i always knew that this was common and that this is something that like when work is applied mm-hmm. to it like it can change it was yeah just not wanting to accept that that took a lot of work I don't know about you too, because when you usually, when people realize, at least, and this is going to be a lot of me speaking about what I went through, Mm -hmm. what you went through, everyone's going to go through things differently. But I know a lot of the time when I got to the point where I realized that something needed to change, generally was a pretty low freaking point. Yeah. Right. Generally like a very low point. And I I don't know about everybody else, but when I get in a very, if it's a depressive lull or very anxious lull, it's very self-obsessive. And it's easy to paint the whole world as a negative picture and, and dismiss what other people are saying. So that's where I think I really struggled in when anything sounded even remotely woo-woo or just self-esteem or anything, I completely just dis- like you just didn't even consider it. Mm-hmm. But that's also because I was in that 
zone. And what I think changed my mind about that a little bit was something you just mentioned. That's the fact of just neuroplasticity, how your brain can physically change essentially until you die. Yeah. That got me really excited about it. And I know there's kind of a difference. And if you're in neuroscience, you can correct me here. But there's a difference between like passive plasticity and self-directed plasticity. And passive is that thing that you just get through going through life up till you're about 25-ish, right? When you're a young adult, when your brain fully forms. But the self-directed plasticity is what I'm honestly obsessed with now because I truly believe anyone can be anything they want if they decide to do it. Like it's plastic. You just have to learn how to shape it, mm -hmm. right? Where all you really do is focus on the attention on the thing that you're trying to change and you can make any change in your brain. I think that's so cool knowing that your brain is not stuck like this. So if you feel yeah. like crap, like if you feel like shit, if you feel self-obsessive, if you're just pessimistic about the world, you can understand that although it might not seem like a choice right now, that it's not set like that forever. It doesn't have to be mm -hmm. eventually. Yeah. And I know we were talking about this too. The first step is always honestly the story you tell yourself in your head. You have to believe you can change it. And I know mm -hmm. I gave you that example early on where if I asked everyone listening to this right now, right? Like if I said, okay, you've got a job and you've got one week, do you believe that you have the power to make any aspect of your personal life, your work life, or your relationship significantly worse in the next seven days? Could you do that for me? Most people would say, yeah, I've got, a, I could think of a hundred things of how I could make things worse, right? Mm -hmm. That's everybody. Everyone yeah. could do that. But let's flip that coin. Okay. So you can make things worse. Do you believe in the power or you have the power to make any aspect of your personal life, work life, or relationship significantly better in the next seven days, if that was your job? You kind of realize like, oh, I could make it worse. Yeah, I guess I could make it better. But people, I feel like you don't even look at the, how could I make things better? But the, once you realize you're in charge, I think that's the first step of like, oh shit, I could actually do something about this. Because I don't think anyone chooses, like they don't like to feel crappy. No. Like, who likes to feel depressed? No, you know? no one chooses that. But that's where I think explaining the neurobiology of it in terms of why is it instinct to think that you could be really good at failing? Why is it instinct yeah. to think that you could just your life could crumble in a matter of seven days and you would be able to do that so easily? Why is it so hard to grasp the fact that maybe you could improve your life in seven days? That that instinct an instinctual yeah. thought is due to the neuropathways in our brain and the connections in our brain forming a habitual action. What feels instinctual is also habitual. That thought is habitual. Our thoughts, our beliefs, our values, our mindset shape those instinctive thoughts to just make them already true and make other thoughts nearly impossible. And with time of changing that mindset, changing those almost fixed beliefs and belief, really challenging yourself to think otherwise, think that, no, I can do this. I could be able to be a new person in seven days. Like really having those positive, that positive self-talk over the course of a year, making that change, that's going to change the pathways in neurotransmitters in your brain and how they connect and what becomes instinct yeah. and what doesn't. And that's really powerful. And I think that not a lot of people think about that fact of how much no. your thoughts shape your actions and what you do subconsciously and how you think sub subconsciously. Yeah. Well, it's, and I don't know if it, I know people struggle with this at all different points in their life, but mm -hmm. I feel like it's a common theme too. 
in your late teens, your early 20s, really throughout your entire 20s, I think a lot is, is a common time as well. And I don't know about you, but a lot of it is, I think, how you're raised and who you're around. A lot of who you think you are in your head or that story that you tell yourself is given to you by other people mm-hmm. that aren't you. At least that was big for me. Like yeah. one of my favorite quotes of all time from Carl Jung, a psychologist, said, the world will ask who you are. And if you don't know, they will tell you. And I can't think of anything more true than that, where when you're young, you don't really know who you are. You don't take time to set up your values. You don't take time to really think through how you really see the world. And if you don't know all that stuff, and it's so important to really take time to figure out who you are, society tells you, your family tells, these people tell you, and it's not going to be an accurate representation of you at all, right? They're seeing, they're basing that off of a sliver of who you are. And I think a lot of the people keep that sliver and that's how they see themselves is that sliver of their identity instead of who they actually are. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And at least a lot of that, I think, is when you're growing up, you don't take the time a lot to, and some people never do, like to outline, okay, what do I value? Why do I value these things? What's important to me? You know what I'm saying? And if you don't know that, it it gets projected on to you. And that's the hard part is because it's hard to break that. Yeah. I feel like that's why so many people struggle out when they graduate college, especially if in college, you feel like you have this really tight social circle, like you're always doing something, like you feel like that almost, I hate to say popularity, like if you have a big friend group and you're always having fun and then yeah. that lifts you up, may give you a little bit of a, an ego boost, may f- make you feel confident if that's what you're relying on for years, that people graduate and they don't know who they are. And again, that's there's a lot of reasons for that. But I think that that's a really big one is you've established who you are in the thoughts and perceptions of others in your peers, how they view mm-hmm. you. That's given you confidence. That's allowed you to feel like you're capable of doing things versus, wait, how do I see myself? Like, what now I'm alone. So there must be something wrong with me. And now I don't have that. And I feel empty. I think about that a lot. And I think about how, like, sometimes I am like, wow, my circle's so small. Like I, I feel, sometimes I feel this tug of, do I feel lonely? No, I don't feel lonely. But sometimes I feel like it can be very hard to consistently rely on myself to form those beliefs, like give myself the the confidence boost, give myself the positivity Mm -hmm. about like, no, I'm doing good. I know who I am. Like I have that confidence fully relying on yourself to be that person can sometimes feel a bit lonely and isolating and it's not easy all the time. Yeah. Well, that's what the one thing I was going to say, it's an unavoidable path. I think if you choose to, and you might be listening to this right now, thinking the same thing, the choice, because I don't think a lot of society does the choice to find out who you are speaking from more, I guess, self-experience is one of the most lonely paths you could take Mm -hmm. for a little bit. Like there is just an unavoidable path of loneliness that freaking sucks. And I don't think a lot of society takes the time to do it, but there's that weird gap. The the best way I've, I've been described to this is that weird gap of time where it's like, okay, you're around your friend group. They have this image of who you are. That's sometimes the same image that you have of who you are. So when you're putting in the self work, when you're watching these lectures online, when you're reading these books, when you're listening to podcasts, when you're doing all this, you're outgrowing your current friends. So you don't fit in with them anymore, Mm -hmm. but you don't have any proof or you haven't accomplished anything in real life to fit in with a new set of friends yet. And there's that weird gap in the middle where you're like, I just don't fit in with 
anyone. Yeah. Which is, it, it, there's, it just doesn't feel good. It is, and you can be comfortable because you, you got to get comfortable with spending time with yourself, mm -hmm. which a lot of people, again, you learn like really quickly, like, oh, wait, I might not be as comfortable with myself as I thought. Yeah. But there's that unavoidable gap where it's like, as you start to change, there's that time where reality has to catch up to you, right? You might be doing all the right things. You might be putting in the work, but you haven't really done much in real life or your real life doesn't value that to where other people see you like that yet. Mm -hmm. So you just don't fit in with anybody and that loneliness sucks. And what gave me comfort is knowing that that is a sign of, oh, I'm doing the right thing. Because yeah. there's, there's not a lot of signs that you're doing the right thing when you're lonely. It's really easy to get dark and be like, there is no proof that what I'm doing is working. I've lost friends. I haven't gained any new ones, all this thing. But knowing that that is a sign of, oh, this is the next logical step. That makes sense. This is, yeah. this means I'm doing the right thing kind of helps you. Cause it's not days or weeks. It's months, mm -hmm. sometimes years mm -hmm. of that, like lonely gap that you just can't avoid. I don't know if you went through that, like after the college gap too, this no, was for me in yeah. my early twenties, but not after college, but it sounds like that's kind of what you went through too. Yeah. I feel like I went through it in college and out in their own ways, just because I was never like, I just have always been a little bit more introverted, but I also am the epitome of protect my peace. Like I don't want to be around people that make me feel shitty, but in college that mm -hmm. the amount of fake relationships I saw and I'm like, wait, <laughs> these people actually don't care about each other. They just want a big friend group. And because I didn't mm -hmm. want that, that was isolating, but it's interesting because I almost did the same thing in terms of rooting my self-esteem and self-worth in external validation, not from my peers, but from my grades and from my professors and getting like straight A's and doing like getting 100s on my tests and just spending all of my time in school. And that was what I got my validation from. That's what apparently made me feel good about myself. But every time I would get like, I would feel nothing. I felt no achievement mm -hmm. in doing excelling in school. And I'm like, why don't I feel like this? And it's because it's not coming from me. Like I care about school, but this doesn't, it's almost just checking mark on a box. And I think when I graduated and especially when I got to grad school, I started to realize like, I don't find value in like my academic success. I obviously find value in su like succeeding. I want to mm. graduate, want to do well, but that's not validating to me as a person. And yeah. because I was growing into myself, getting older, I started to realize that and work through it. So you can find like your self-esteem and also your body image are influenced by multiple components or from your, your peers, your friend group, how frequently you compare yourself to others, whether that's on social media or just in your day-to-day -day. comments from others about your appearance or about who you are just as a person ideals you develop about your physical and mental appearance. And then there's a lot of things that could feed into those subcomponents. So many aspects of your life, you may not think about it, but are feeding into that mindset of how you feel about your body. And you realize that a lot of those things that you're supposed to feel good, they're kind of fleeting feelings. Yeah. And I think a lot of people that's because one of my values, probably one of my most important values is just happiness where I learned that before I started my business. It was a funny story because when I was deciding I got out of like a five-year relationship when I was 22, 23 years old. Was it your high school sweetheart? It was ever since high school sweethearts. Rip. <laughs> Just kidding. Uh, hope she's doing well. But <laughs> once you get out of that, and I think a lot of people notice this when they get in a relationship, you become one with the other person. And when you get out of a long-term relationship, you have this weird shock of like, wait a second. I have no freaking idea who I am. Mm -hmm. And I was doing this job and I didn't really know. I felt uncomfortable. I didn't like doing it. I didn't like working for someone else. Even though it was in this industry, I was managing a gym. 
it's a should be a good career. It should be good, but it had this weird internal pull. And it wasn't until I got out of that relationship when I was like, okay, like what actually matters to me? Not what matters to us and her and whatever this, like what actually matters to me? And I didn't have an answer to that. I had no clue what actually mattered. And it's a weird, weird place to be when you have to decide that kind of stuff. And that's when I was like deciding on, again, like you, happiness was all that really mattered to me. I was like, I don't care if I'm rich, I'm poor, I'm fat, I'm ugly. I don't care if I'm in a relationship. If I'm happy at the end of the day, that's the one thing that matters. And that's what led me to ultimately start my own company and branch off from that business is it was a little scary too when I started the business because it was pre-COVID that I wanted to start an online coaching business. So this mm -hmm. was before online coaching was like a thing thing. There, there were online coaches, but it's not like 95% of the coaches and trainers you see are online. It wasn't a very common thing. Yeah. And that's what I had a therapist, shout out to Dusty. And he would just really kind of lay that out to me and help me figure out what the freak mattered to me. And at the end of the day, he knew that happiness was the only thing that mattered. So I was really struggling with, should I quit? Should I start my business? Here's all the risks, all this. He's like, okay, if money wasn't there, like which one would you be happier doing? This one, if I stayed in my job, I'd be miserable. It's like, okay, so what's your most important value? Being happy. It's like, oh, and it, literally that week is when I put in my two weeks and filed an LLC in the state of Georgia for Bloom. It's at that happiness piece. I don't want people to miss that because I feel like especially in the U.S. in our structure of life that is college to corporate America to establishing for the rest of your life your self-worth in, in your job because it's the main part of what you do, people confuse security and comfort with happiness and what they're what's going to make them feel good. What are they what do they value? A lot of people, I think that they would think, oh yeah, no, I value being happy, but no, you value stability and you value the security of your life. You value what allows you to know that you can expect what to do in the next five, 10 years. And that is rooted in low self-esteem because you have to have high self-esteem, high self-confidence to take that risk and be uncomfortable. If you only value comfort, you are not doing anything to get out of it. You can't grow. You can't find yourself if you're always chasing comfort because nothing is going to change. Mm. And I think that every, stability, it's innately, you, you want to feel safe. It's going to be a yeah. pull in any human being. But it's a big driver in how our whole system in America is set up. And I don't think people realize how much it sets it can set you back um, and limit you in terms Sometimes of until it's too late. Yeah. Yeah. Until it's too late and you're 30, 40 years old, like I'm miserable. What's going on? It's yeah. Like, oh, let's get this. And that's not saying everyone should quit their job and start oh my a God. business yeah, or no. anything like that. But, but it, no, but it goes to show, cause that's at least for me. And that's where I kind of fine tuned in my, that same era, something that was really important to me and my value and definition of values probably are different than others as well. Yeah. But something that I just would not budge on was just like, honesty. And I did a lot of reading of Sam Harris's book lying and just like not honesty in the sense of I'm going to say everything that's true. I think that's called being an asshole, but <laughs> everything I say will be true. And not only that, but like, I don't want to be in an environment where I can't be my authentic self or I can't be honest with who mm -hmm. I am. And I felt like that was me whenever I worked in a corporate setting or another job, I just could not be 100% who I was. And that for me just felt like a freaking straitjacket. Yeah. So that's why it mattered a lot more to me of like, I got to get out of this. I got to do this was to choose that. So I think a lot of people, if you can be authentic, if you can be yourself with whatever you're doing, freaking awesome. Mm -hmm. But it's something to 
pay attention to. Yeah. But I think a lot of it comes down to like asking like, who are you? If I asked a lot of people, I couldn't answer that question a long time ago. And if you're listening to this podcast, ask yourself, mm-hmm. who are you? And if your answer starts with, well, I work at this company, that's not who you are. Like, who are you? Not mm-hmm. your job, not your clothes, not your whatever. Because one of my, and this is, I'll link it because I actually have it over here. I was rereading it because I was talking to a client about it. One of my favorite books is Awareness by Anthony DeMello. I have right here, but he put it out in the, a, a really creepy and perfect way, I think, when you're asking who you are. And oh, what is the quote? I wrote down a quote over here somewhere. Let me pull this up. He said it like this. He said, am I my thoughts? No. Thoughts come and go. I'm not my thoughts. Am I my body? No. Millions of cells in our body are dying and renewed every minute. Every seven years, we don't have a single living cell that was in our body seven years ago. He said, okay, cells arise and die, but I, in quotes, seem to persist. So am I my body? Am I my thoughts? Am I my name? Am I my profession? Evidently not. So stop identifying with those things that come and go. Cause that's a creepy thought of who are you? I, I challenge a lot of people because I didn't realize it for a couple until a couple of years ago. I did not have a good answer to that question. I don't know if you ever struggle with that, but it's a weird one. Cause if someone asks who you are, you're like, Oh, that's an easy one. But how many people have that real well, answer? And I, I love that. That's a hard, it's a hard thing to answer, but I think that really shows how the, the dance that self-esteem and body image do together is yeah. a lot of issues with people who have poor body image is their definition of who they are. Their self-worth self-esteem is rooted in how they look. Oh, I am my physique. I would be nothing without this physique. That is detrimental because, again, you are not your body. It's different from having goals. Yes, you have goals to work towards. Yeah. But if that's what you establish yourself worth in, you're on a trajectory for really poor body image. And I think that that's an example of just that awareness piece of, wait, who am I? Am I my body? No, I'm actually not. Changing that thought process can also make you more successful in terms of if you do have specific goals, weight loss, fitness goals, if you're staying true to who you are, identifying your values, what you believe in, yeah, you can make specific goals, but you're not rooting your entire self-worth in the outcome that you don't, you may or may not get to. And how many times is that even more so in the reverse? How many times does that prevent people from getting to their goal? Is their body image of who they believe? I, mm-hmm. I was talking to, I was given a teaching my friends, Jose and Mario, they own a coaching business and they wanted me to come in and talk to other clients, just have like a little hour talk. And an interesting story came up about this, about people that I don't think a lot of the time people reinforce their own behavior, right? Have you ever heard like self-fulfilling prophecy? Yeah. A a lot of people, they're a self-fulfilling prophecy. If you believe you're going to do something, you're going to do something. If you believe you're someone who can't trust anybody, you're never going to trust anyone. You could have the perfect, perfect Prince Charming queen, whatever it is, walk into your life, the most trustworthy person, you're not going to trust them. If you tell yourself you can't trust people. Right. And I think a lot of the time this comes in body image where, and this is something I struggle with when I was a child, I was a chunk. I was adorable, but I was a chunk (laughs) made fun of for it. Classic stuff like that. When I grew older, I grew a lot taller. I became super, super thin. And this is where I know you were talking about this test that I think is so interesting that you would do on kids. But I would see pictures of myself and still be like, I'm fat, I'm Mm -hmm. chunky, I'm fat. And now when I look back at those photos, I was as thin as paper. I looked almost malnutrition, like malnourished. It was scary. But the same thing as the story that came up, sorry, with the group that I was with, 
is this guy was 22 years old and he told himself he was 22. He was out of shape. He was overweight. He said, by the end of the year, I'm going to be in the best shape of my life. And he'd start and fall off and start and fall off again. A story that is very common. I think most people either have gone through it or know someone who has. Mm -hmm. And out of nowhere, one day he wakes up, he's 27 years old. He's still out of shape. He's like, what the is going on? And he was working with my friends over there just because he kept reverting back to old ways. He would see initial success. Something would eventually push him back to the old ways. And my friend even noticed this. He called him out. He said, dude, like, do you believe this can be used? Like, yeah. He's like, no, you don't. He's like, your name on Instagram is still the fluffy Hector. Your yeah. name on Instagram is the fluffy. You, you're that image that you have of yourself, no matter how much you want to change it, you're still telling yourself that you're the fluffy, you're the fat kid, you're this. So you might see initial success, but you're always going to revert back to doing the things that that person does. If that's overeating, if that's not being able to stay consistent, you're going to revert back to that, not because you can't do anything else, but because that's who you are in your head, right? Mm -hmm. Like the story you tell yourself is what you're going to keep doing. Yeah. And I think the body image piece is for so many people. They believe they are one way because their spouse, their friends, their whatever, tell them this for the longest time. So when you try and change that, everyone around you does not see you as that. They, they see you as you always have been, not who you could be. Yeah. Which is also another note on who you surround yourself with. And that's, those are probably not the best people to do it with. But I think even more so, it probably bleeds into the body image and almost preventing people from getting where they want to go. Yeah. Yeah. No, I've, and that's something that I'd say a really big mistake that a lot of people make is they underestimate how much body image can influence their weight loss and fitness goals, either positively or negatively. It's in body image and self-esteem are an integral component of motivation. So what is driving you? What is driving you to do the things you do need to do to get to reach those goals? Body image does that. Self-esteem does that. Those with higher self-esteem are more are often more likely to be successful in losing weight and achieving their fitness goals. That is not just a coincidence. Your body image can shape your actions. So attaching that self-worth to your appearance makes achieving weight loss a lot more difficult because you are chasing something that you don't believe exists yet until you see it. And how could you think you're that person if you haven't seen it yet? How can you be consistent no. if you don't feel like you're seeing any changes? You're chasing something that is rooted in external validation and you don't believe you'll ever get there. So you're not going to. That's yeah. And just... do you think even sometimes if you do start to see initial success of, oh, wow, I am changing, I am making the progress, you might almost get that feeling of imposter syndrome where you're like, no, that's not me. You, you'll come up with any excuse to where it's not true. You might catch yourself and be like, oh, wow, I look thinner. And that next immediate thought will be like, no, you don't. You just, you're, you're wearing that one t-shirt again that makes you look thin or mm -hmm. whatever. You discredit everything and you'll just do anything to eventually, that just drives you off, right? Your motivation quits because you're like, whatever, because of what people think you are. Do you think that has something to do with it too? Absolutely. You'll see people all the time talking about how I didn't have poor body image until I lost weight or until I started working out. I, I didn't hate myself as much as I do now that I've started working out. That's like very common in the fitness world. And it is, that's the subconscious action of the weight, the number on the scale being your motivation. You didn't even realize it until it happened. You didn't realize that mm -hmm. so much of what you were doing was driven in getting this body that you pictured in your mind or the number on the scale going down. 
the second that starts to plateau, the second you start to see yourself and it's not what you pictured, that, oh no, like, what do I do now? Uh, now I, I hate yeah. myself type of thing. Now I, I, it's never enough because you're always chasing something that is externally related to your success, not how you feel. And you see that yeah. happen a lot. I was going to say that's usually we talk about it all the time on the show. Ben Carpenter, when he was on the show, it's almost to a much, much higher degree in people who objectively are more fit, mm -hmm. who have better body composition. Those are usually the people who struggle with it the most a lot of times, it, which is so backwards when you're not like that. And you see that you're like, how could that per I would kill to have that body or whatever it is. And they're struggling with a self image worse than someone who's much worse off yeah. than them. It's absolutely insane. And I think a lot of it is, okay, did you ever look at that, The Secret, that it was a book, it was a Netflix documentary a long time ago called The Secret about the law of attraction? No, I haven't. Okay, this, this surprises me because it was one of those things I wanted to roll my eyes at a hundred times because people misrepresent it so bad, but it's so important. But essentially like the law of attraction is what you think of or manifest, you will attract to you. Oh. So people use this all the time where it's like, oh, you're not rich. Just tell yourself that you are rich and then money will come in. Or like an example of this is like a person who complains all the time is typically attracting friends or other people who also have a bad attitude or a happy, energetic person will attract other motivated people. And when I watched this, I saw a lot of very successful, they had in the documentary, a lot of successful people who were like, this is real. This is real. No one gave a logical reason of why it's real. And like I told you, I'm not one for just saying like, oh, trust me, bro. Why? Because I, give me a reason why or I can't do it. And I, I started to look into it a little bit more because I was like, all these successful people are saying you have to believe it, you have to do it. But it just, it felt like nonsense to me because I'm like, there's no way that just thinking or fake it till you make it, there's no way that that can substitute skills or knowledge or hard work or anything like that, which I truly don't think they can, but it is a little bit you have to lie to yourself and tell you or say these things that you're attracted to. But I looked into why this tends to work. And I thought it was so fascinating. And again, I am not a neuroscientist. So this could be very off the mark. If someone is listening, or even you, please correct me. But the thought process behind it of saying, okay, if you want to be a fit person, if you haven't been fit your entire life, telling yourself and acting and, and talking to yourself in ways that you are the fit person, mm -hmm. right? doing those things, becoming that person. And the science behind it is that essentially the human brain is just constantly being bombarded with sensory information from the outside world, right? Including visual input. So everything from different colors, shades of colors, brightness, shapes, depth, motion, spatial orientation, tactile, pressure, vibration, texture, pain, all these different things, audio, smells, taste, all these things are coming in. It's estimated the human brain receives an order of 11 million bits of information per second from the surrounding environment. Mm -hmm. 11 million bits of information are coming into your brain at one time. And we are tiny little bird brains, right? We're sentient <laughs> apes. Our brains can only handle about, it's estimated, 40 to 120 bits of information at a time. So we can handle, let's say, average or max, 100 bits of information. 11 million are coming in. And I thought that was so interesting because it, it speaks a lot to our attention because we're only conscious of those hundred bits, right? Like for example, right now, if you're sitting here watching this and I say, okay, just real quick, pay attention. What parts of your foot are pressured on the ground right now? 
right? Are your feet sit on the ground? Is it the front of your feet? Is it the back of your feet? Pay attention to where the ground is coming in contact with your feet and where you're sitting the pressure on it. That's something that you're conscious of now, once I brought it up, but you were not thinking about this a minute ago. Mm-hmm. And a great example of this, did you ever look at inside? Did you take any psychology courses? Yeah, we in had school? to. Mm-hmm. Did you ever look at the invisible gorilla experiment they did in that one video? I might have. Where there's some basketball, there's basketball players. Okay. Google this. If not, it's so fascinating to me, but essentially they would show you a video and the video would start off. It was like six or seven different basketball players, half wearing white jerseys, half wearing black. And the goal of the video, they said, okay, I want you to count how many times the basketball players wearing white are passing the ball. So for a minute, they just all, they're all moving around black and white, passing the ball. So you're counting, counting, counting. And at the end, the video ends. It's like, okay, cool. We have one question. What did the gorilla do in the middle of that entire video? And people are like, what are you talking about? What gorilla? Mm-hmm. And you watch it back. And there was a freaking man in a gorilla costume that comes right in the middle of the video and just starts clapping or doing something like that. And no one even knew there was a gorilla there because they were so like their attention was just honed in on that one thing. Or like at a cocktail party when there's a million different sounds going around, but someone says your name across the room, you hear it. Yeah. Same kind of thing. And it turns out there's that system in your brain of there's a lot of things that are directing your attention. But the name that was given to me was the reticular activating system or the RAS. Mm -hmm. Have you heard of that before? Yeah, I have. Yep. Coolest crap in the world. And it starts to make more sense. But that little piece that's above your spinal cord, essentially where most of your senses come in, it really is very layman terms connecting that subconscious to conscious, right? What's worth paying attention to? It's a filter of those 11 million bits coming in. What's like the hundred or so that matters? Yeah. So when you tell yourself what's important and you repeat this and you live like this and you quote unquote manifest it, if that's at the front of your attention, that will, you just start paying more attention to things surrounding that. Same thing if you've ever bought a new car, like a blue Jeep. If you're like, oh, I really want a blue Jeep. The next day on the freaking road, you'll see 20 blue Jeeps. You're like, wait a second. I've never seen a blue Jeep in my life. Yeah. And I just saw 20 on the way. They were always there. That's just not where your attention was. So that's where I think the manifestation, the law of attraction has its draw to it is because it's not some magic work that happens. It's that it keeps what you're paying attention to at the front of your mind. So if you want to become a fit or healthier person or change any aspect of your life, if you constantly are telling yourself and reminding yourself that you'll just naturally start to see things that you were blind to before that aid in you getting to that goal over time. Mm -hmm. And I thought that was the coolest aspect of it. Cause before I was like, I can't, there's no way I'm just going to blindly believe this manifesting crap, which a lot of people love it. A lot of people hate it, but at least that gave me a little bit of sense of, Oh, there is something happening in my brain of why this makes sense, why that will help me get to where I want to go. And I think there's a huge piece of that, that you're just on the surface of describing. You already did without saying it, but it's when you are paying attention to that person that you want to be, maybe it's just a fitter, healthier person. Now you're paying attention, not to just to that, but more specifically the actions of that person. It's when you're paying attention to what does that type of person that I want to be do? And that's where you see the change. If you want to be a person that is, healthier, you're going to notice the stairs before you notice the escalator and you're going to take the stairs instead because that's what this healthier person would do. You're going to think about maybe your portion size a little bit more. You're going to maybe think about choosing the dessert when you're already full. You're going to start doing things that embody that person 
And that is where you see the change. You're going to start surrounding yourself with people who embody that person. It's what you start to do, which is where I can see the, the law of attraction manifestation. There are actually being some logic there and some components of yes. just behavior and psychology and how you act that now has, you know, it could be taken to great lengths in terms of manifesting. It can go very over the top, but it shouldn't be that should not be ignored. And there's actually good sound explanation there as to why people see success there. That's the biggest thing is you, it's, you start to notice things that you just didn't notice before. Like mm -hmm. the example you just said, like you start to notice the stairs instead of the escalator mm -hmm. because you're starting to think through someone else's point of view. Yeah. At least I don't know about you, but that is what helped me make the most change in like the course of a year, which I can talk about here in a second, but not thinking of what I should do, but define who I want to be. And then whenever all these scenarios would come up, it's like, okay, what would that person do? Because yeah. I didn't believe I was that person yet. I did not. Mm -hmm. I tr and I was like, there's no proof that I am that person, but that's who I want to be. The whole fake it till you make a thing. But then you start doing, it's like, okay, maybe I don't know what to do, but I could at least guess what that person would do in this situation. Yeah. Did you ever, that was huge for me. Did you go through that phase? Absolutely. And I think also because it has something tangible to it. You can act on that. You can have actions that help you believe you are this person. And that's when you set goals and you shift your mindset to something that you can act on. And I feel like a lot of people will set their goals in something that they don't even know any direction towards because they're not specific enough. There's no, mm -hmm. it's just, I want a six pack. Okay. Well, how realistic is that? Can you do yeah. that? Can you even be a person who has a six pack versus let's reshape that goal. Maybe you want to be someone that is a little bit thinner. Maybe you feel, okay, if you're thinner, right? What would that person feel like? Like, let's shape it there. You want to be a person that yeah. can take the stairs, can walk places, not feel tired, have a lot of energy. Okay, that's more specific. Let's get down to the actions. How can we act on that? And you just have to start getting down, even digging even deeper and deeper and building something tangible within your mind. Like, how can I act on this person that I want to be instead of wishing you were something and and not being it? How, how specific you are. It is probably the most important piece. I, yeah. I didn't realize that until you said that, but being just stupid specific. Like if you're asking yourself, should I be more specific? The answer is yes. Be more specific. Yeah. <laughs> just, just imagine writing down on a piece of paper a hundred times. I am C-bum. I am C-bum. I am C-bum. <laughs> just thinking I'm going to become like just jacked <laughs> C-bum or whatever it is. Because I am Jason that, Momoa. <laughs> yeah, right. I am Jason Momoa. I am Jason Momoa. <laughs> But what happened for me and what I didn't realize, funny story that seems a little off topic, but is when I was, again, newly out of that relationship, still trying to figure out what's important to me, what matters to me, all this stuff. Of course, when you're freshly single out of a five-year relationship, you're starting to think of like, ooh, who do I want to date? What's my dream girl? What does this look like? All the questions. And there was a story where I went to a couple seminars with my friend at the time who also was getting out of a long-term relationship. And it was called Love Dates and Heartbreaks. I've talked about it a lot on my social media before one of the most impactful series of sessions I went to in my entire life. It's on YouTube too. I can link it later on my social media, but it was love dates and hearts breaks. And it was essentially just talking about those things and the values. And in that seminar, he brought up the story. The speaker brought up a story and it was a story of a girl in high school talking to her mom after school one day. 
And this was a, a pretty normal average girl. She wasn't a, a crazy good student. She got like B's, a couple C's, didn't take part in sports, any extracurriculars, anything like that. But she was a nice, sweet girl. And she was talking to her mom who was ironing clothes on the side of her bed one day after school. And she was just infatuated with this boy at school in high school. He was the captain of the football team. He was super handsome, got straight A's. He was funny. He wasn't mean to people. He was Prince Charming in all definitions. And she was just going on and on and on about this to her mom. And she's like, oh my God, I want to date him one day. The prom is coming up. Well, I would just die if he did this, but I've never talked to him before. And the mom just put down her iron and looked at her daughter and said, sweetie, why would he want you? And at first I was like, it's a bitch. Like, like yeah. mom, like, what are you talking about? <laughs> I was like, what are you talking about? But the story and the moral of the story there is this was the guy of that girl's dreams, essentially. And this is what at least helped it line up for me. The three most important things in my life were who I spend it with, what I do, and where I live. I thought if I could do those three things well, the rest of it will take care of itself. So I took a lot of time really spending time on who I wanted to spend my life with. And I never had thought about it from that perspective, but thinking, okay, I have a girl of my dreams. I could easily, I could go on and on about who that is, right? Driven, emotionally, very, very strong, could weather the toughest storms, smart, funny, pretty, all these things, their values, what they do every day. But I never took the time to think the girl of my dreams has a guy of her dreams because mm -hmm. we all do. And then thinking, am I that guy? Am I that guy that's doing those things that that guy is doing every single day? Do I wake up early? I sleep in. I miss the gym sometimes. I don't really have any structure. Mm, right now, I'm pretty funny, but I'm living paycheck to paycheck. I'm a pretty okay guy, but I'm not the girl of my dreams, guy of her dreams. Mm -hmm. And I knew that for certain. And that's what helped me guide how I should do certain things. Should I wake up early or should I maybe hit the gym later in the day? No, the guy of that girl's dreams is going to wake up early, go to the gym before his first meeting is that guy. And, and that was just my guiding principle is I wasn't that person, Yeah. but at least I took the time to define who that person was. How do I want to show up in relationships? How do I want to be perceived by the people around me? How do I want to structure my, you know, all those different things and taking the time to define what that person looks like. Cause I, a lot of people, I think at least they might not know what to do, but they know what not to do in a lot of these search mm -hmm. situations. Like people don't give themselves enough credit. Yeah. You know, like in, in weight loss, people are like, I just don't know what to do. It's like, but I, you know what not to do most of the time. Yeah. You shouldn't have drank those six tequila shots and had eight tacos up until midnight. You probably know you shouldn't have done that if you want to lose weight. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? It's it's that guiding principle is stupid huge. Yeah. And, but, and then it comes down to, though, like, especially with the relationships, because self-esteem highly, highly influences your relationships, the strength of them, whether they're positive, negative, lasting, and thinking about yourself first. That's what you unintentionally ended up doing is, yeah, yeah, I know what I want in a girl, but I have, first I got to put myself first, whether that's thinking about who she might want to see. Yeah. But what you're actually doing is thinking about the person you want to be, even though it's kind of exactly. an un unintentional way of thinking. That is why so many people, and I think it, it almost seems like people are like, oh, people say this all the time is you got to put the work in on yourself before you can have a happy, healthy relationship. Like that, that should be beat into the ground because not enough people yeah. take it seriously. You don't need to be this perfect version of yourself. You, you can find someone when you still have a lot of pieces that you need to pick up. But if your mindset mm -hmm. is there of working on it. 
addressing it, exactly. knowing, knowing who you are, even just knowing who you are, that's not going to be this perf perfect person ever. You might not be in the best place, but you meet someone. But if you have that self-awareness, you know who you are, where you're at and what you want to work towards, like that, that is still going to lead to a better relationship, sense of self, like opportunities, what career you're doing. and everything. Yeah. Because you're aware and it's not a self-pity. It's not a hating myself. It's mm. no, I accept where I'm at right now. It isn't the greatest, but I'm going to do what I can to, to be better in whatever that is. I think about this with talking about like body image for so long and body image and eating. So like when I had my eating disorder, I was very, I've always been a self-aware person. So a lot mm -hmm. of the work had to come into the action. Like I knew it was wrong. I knew I wasn't the person that I wanted to be for so long. I always thought about my sister and compared myself to my sister because she has this incredible relationship with food always has and it always awed me and she is beautiful like in really good shape and she'll also go out sometimes and she'll have a beer and she'll have some pizza and like not think twice about it and mind you this is when i was in the thick of i couldn't even go out to eat i mm. would have a panic attack if i couldn't cook my food which is crazy for mm. me to even think about but i would look at her in such awe and be like oh i want to be i want to be Brittany. I am so pissed that I'm like, it, I hate myself for not being her. I want to be her. And at the time, like, it was so unrealistic. That person that my sister was, that was not attainable in my present. I wasn't thinking about anything I had to do to be there, to be in her position, because I didn't believe I ever could. I thought it was impossible. So for so long, I would just think about the type of person I want to be, but with negativity. I, I would be negative towards myself because I'm like, oh, I could never do that. That's impossible to get there. My whole mind, I didn't look at, okay, well, take a step back. What could you actually do to get there? Like, why do you hate, why do you feel like you're so incapable of getting there? And it was- I was say, did you yeah. reinforce, almost reinforce why you were that way when you saw, like, had that comparison of like, she's like this, I'm like this. And instead of saying, how can I get there? It was almost- reinforcing why you're there and you're not here yeah and like kind of saying like this Absolutely. is why obviously it's like mm -hmm. okay yeah i was really and i think this is what a lot of people do especially with when you with eating disorders really bad body images you think that it's impossible to change you truly believe it you truly believe that so challenging that mindset it's more so yeah i my sister is a huge role model for me and she's like that would be amazing if I could get there one day, but let's take a few step back, steps back and think about some things that maybe she does that I think I could achieve. Like I have zero, very little self-confidence right now, but I think I could start going out to eat once a week and not stressing about the menu before I go. That's a start. Like having to mm. challenge myself, put in the actions, put in the work, but also put in the work on my mind because I was in such a negative headspace. And so I really had to think about, hey, why do you hate yourself so much? What's going on? Why do you believe yeah. that you can't do this? And so really challenging your beliefs and doing things that challenge your beliefs, because sometimes when you're in such a low place, it's going to take a little bit for you to actually think that it's true that you could be this other person. So you just got to be uncomfortable. Uh, Especially when that person seems so opposite, like so far away. I feel like just mm -hmm. from that story that you were saying, because yeah. I mean, when you're in it, like you don't see, like you see the next step is like, I, that's who I want to be. But that person so far away, it's hard to get yourself to realize how ch any change actually works, right? Like one small step at a time over years, you're not just going to be her tomorrow, which is where I'm like comparison, I feel like has a good point. Because I know what's the famous quote, comparison is, is, the, is thief the thief of joy, joy. Mm -hmm. which 
I agree with to a point, but at the same time, I feel like you could use comparison to motivate you in a way, not in a negative sense, but I guess to inspire you, like you see what someone's done and you can be inspired by yeah. that, I guess not comparing yourself, but it, it is, it's when it turns into envy where yes. I feel like you can almost start. That's where that reinf that negative reinforcement comes in, where you start to say that person's how I wish I could be. But then you start making excuses or reasons of why they are and why I'm not. Mm -hmm. And that's why it's okay. And that could be anything that could be like you just experienced like you, your relationship with food or how someone looks or how successful someone is in business or how happy someone is in a relationship or just happy at all is like, oh, well, of course they're happy because they have X, Y, and Z. And of course I'm depressed because of X, Y, Z. It's very hard to get out of that loop, mm -hmm. but it's even harder when that person that you're comparing yourself to is so far away, your brain just can't comprehend how that's possible. That's the fixed versus growth mindset that we've talked about yeah. on the episode before, I think, and being so stuck yeah. in that this is how it is, this is how it's going to be versus there is potential for something to be better. I, I can do this to become a better version of myself or I can change versus this is impossible. And it's not tangible and that's really hard for people. You have to do the work within your mind, how all of these thoughts are shaping your actions, which is why it can be really daunting. I think going back to giving people listening some realistic tips, approaches that they can maybe tangibly think about for improving specifically body image is one that I think of is sometimes not giving too much emotion to how you feel in your body can be really helpful. So this is the concept of body neutrality. I mm -hmm. think that this was also really helpful for me in thinking about, oh, like this person is so confident in their body. I want to be that confident. Like why do I hate myself so much? I want to be that confident. That was not realistic for me to strive mm -hmm. for that self-confidence in my body because I was at such a low point. Sometimes finding that middle ground to get to get to a place where you feel more confident can be really helpful. So body neutrality is something you could focus on, which is appreciating kind of what your body can do. It's neither loving or hating your body, but it's based on notions of acceptance and having respect for your body rather than complete love and like happiness when you think about yourself. Yeah. And this can be really helpful kind of on your journey towards bigger self-confidence, more body positivity, I guess you could say. Some people don't always completely get there. But when you're a little bit neutral towards how you feel about your body, you're not giving it as much attention. But this can be really helpful because it can start to get you out of that headspace. Oh, you know, this is a little bit more realistic for me to just, you know, I'm cool. I'm okay. I'm not, I don't hate myself. I don't completely love myself yet, but I'm just kind of indifferent. I'm not going to give this as much attention versus thinking about your appearance around the clock, feeding into that negative mindset. Now you're not giving that mindset attention in either direction. So you can focus on the actions that you could put into, you know, whether that's getting to the gym or getting up in the earlier in the morning, doing things to become that, that healthier person to guide you on your weight loss journey, rather than getting so caught up in this really negative headspace. So I really like the idea of body neutrality, and I think that not enough people talk about it. I mean, it's something no, that was bit. my favorite concept that you brought up to me actually that one time. Mm -hmm. I'd never heard of body neutrality. I'd heard of body positivity, and I knew why I didn't like it, but I'd never heard of that until you brought it up to me. Yeah, yeah, and there's they're very like body positivity is really loving your body regardless of your shape, size, color, gender, ability, anything, and it's been a really good movement. And I think it's some people are there and like. 
that's amazing. Like, honestly, like you could see it. You could tell when someone's so confident in their body and they're just great. But it's so unrealistic for so many people. You can't just tell someone to completely love themselves. And especially when we're talking about how body image is so rooted in your self-esteem, you're going to have to work other places as well to get to that point of like really loving yourself. So along the way, if we could just be kind of neutral, it's going to allow you to work on other facets of your life because you're not giving so much attention towards that negative headspace. And I feel like it's a little dangerous, the whole over, because again, you can tell when someone's super positive and in love with how they look, mm -hmm. but I feel like it's dangerous because it's like you almost hit a surge point where you can run and do this. But I, I, I really, I've challenged myself on this a lot and I'm trying to find a way where this doesn't work, but I haven't found that yet. Not to say there isn't, but the thought of, you know, if let's think of like loving yourself or getting love or that happiness feeling from how you look is just like a coin. Where it's like heads might mean you feel good, tails means you feel bad about the way you look. I don't think you can just take one of those. I feel like you have to take the whole coin and you might be able to surge and go on a run and hit heads a few times in a row. But I feel like if you're signing up for feeling good about the way you physically look, that eventually there is a time where you're signing up for feeling negative because you don't look that way anymore because of the way you look. And that's why I love that concept of body neutrality. Because I feel like that's where I've been for a good long time now, but not always. Yeah. But it, it changes everything when you're not, it takes up 0% of your headspace worried about how you look, just being neutral of it's not good or bad. It's like, cool, whatever. Yeah. It doesn't bring you any positive or negative emotion. Because mm -hmm. I think when you're signing up for the positive, you're signing up for the negative. Yeah. And it's something that I don't think a lot of people think about. It's like, what do you mean I shouldn't feel a certain way about my body? Because it's, you're almost trained to it in society. Mm-hmm. Right. Like, especially more like the models get rewarded, the, the influencers get rewarded, all this stuff for looking a certain way, which isn't even real. Yeah. But where it's almost ingrained to it's one of those things where you got to like, like question yourself and ask yourself why. Cause I know, at least for myself, when I was learning that aspect and I did not like the way I looked, I think the first step, and this is what I, I was reading this interesting Harvard Business Review story about Kendra Hall. And she had like four steps in that process. And the first step, I think, is the most important. It's to catch yourself in the act. You don't have to believe yourself. You don't have to tell yourself whatever, but you have to catch when you are doing it. And I think if you think through why it doesn't make any sense to derive any positivity, like positivity or negativity from the way you look, take some time, one, to think about why that's true. Mm. Don't just take our word for it. Think about it. Because if you don't know why, it's not going to mean anything. So think and know why, right? Your body has nothing to do with your value as a human being. Yeah. Go write about that. Think about that because it doesn't logically make sense. But that doesn't mean your brain's going to change. As soon as you hear that story come up or you look at yourself in the mirror and you get a negative emotion, you can't stop that right away. But catch yourself and just realize, oh, this is happening, right? As soon as you you have that thought of, oh, I can't do this or I look like this or I'm too young to do this or I don't have an experience, whatever that challenging thought is, you're not going to be able to not believe that instantly. But you have to recognize when it pops up and then you can say, okay logically this doesn't make sense i feel this right now i'm gonna sit on it like a hen on an egg i'm gonna have it but i know logically that doesn't make sense and mm -hmm. then if you can do that repetition after repetition after repetition i think that's where that improvement slowly but surely works in yeah i right? i completely agree and once you so the first step is like the awareness of these thoughts how you're feeling about yourself maybe you look in the mirror a lot of negative thoughts come up it's like okay recognizing them like these are here i see them I'm not going to give them attention, but other than recognition, I'm not going to put any sort of emotion towards them, but they're here. I'm going to tuck them away. Once you can get to that point and kind of see them and see where they come out in certain 
spots of your life, then there's the reframing of that self-judgment. So again, we're talking about, and we're talking about body neutrality. It's not just a flip of a switch. There are some things you're still going to have to do to get to that point of being neutral. Recognition and then reframing your thoughts, how you think about yourself. And this just sounds, it's like very standard, just behave psychological improvement in terms of self-esteem. Like a lot of therapists will use this on as just standard of practice, but positive reframing is when you just take a negative thought and you can make it more positive or neutral. So if you see someone, you're walking down down the street, like I, I wish I had her legs. My legs are so chubby. Okay. Let's maybe change that. Wow. Like I really like her legs. Maybe I'm going to go to the gym and start working on my legs a little bit more. Like make, change it. It doesn't have to be completely positive. Like maybe you do want to work towards having stronger legs, but reshape that. Oh, I see your legs like, hmm, I could do this to maybe strengthen my legs a bit more or not so happy with the way my legs are, but I'm going to go to the gym tomorrow and hit legs and I'm going to do that twice a week. Like reshaping how you think negatively about yourself. You can make it a little bit more structural. You can completely make it into a positive. But if you're trying to aim towards more of that neutrality, shifting into the more so, what can I do to make myself more of a person that is less insecure about X, Y, and Z, if we're specifically talking about our body. Or it could be a matter of, hmm, you know, I really like her legs. Cool. And like dismiss it. Like catch yourself on a negative thought. Change it. Actually change it. It doesn't have to be perfect. There's no plan, but get rid of get rid of the negative. Get rid of that destroying yourself and feeling so shitty about who you are because you're not this person and you don't look like that. Re- actually reframe it when you catch it. That is like yeah. that's the neuroplasticity piece. That's how you're going to change your brain and your thoughts. Yeah. You have to I love that because how many times are because I know people, I think when people first hear this, and this is what I heard when I first heard something like this. Because I think if two people can hear the same exact sentence, but it means two completely different things. When I was at that point in my life, I'd hear stuff like that. And I'd say, well, I, I'm not go- I can't lie to myself. I can't mm-hmm. look at myself in the mirror if I'm out of shape, if I'm overweight. And I know a lot of people might be listening to this now. And if you truly don't believe you're a healthy person, cool. You might look at yourself in the mirror. You can't lie to yourself and say, I'm fit. I'm handsome. Yeah. If you're not, right? And I, that's how I saw it to myself. I'm like, that's just lying to myself. That's not going to do anything, but it's very important in the detail of what she just said or what you just said and just reframing and focusing on that positive aspect of it. Cause I mean, I truly believe I'm like, life is really just like you're born, you have a set of sensory experiences and then you die. (laughs) How you interpret those is up to you. They're either, they're, they're neither positive or negative. Like that's just how I believe it to be right. There's a million positive things about this podcast, there's also a million negative things. You get to decide what you look at. So it's not that you have to lie to yourself to do these things, but you're going to feel uncomfortable at first because the best way I like to think about changing like neuroplasticity is, and I guess this is going to hit harder for people if they ski or snowboard. Do you ski or snowboard? I ski. Okay. You ski. Perfect. The best analogy I've ever heard in thinking about it, like neuroplasticity, and I heard it when they were talking about psychedelics and the application they have in therapy, which is going to be, it's so exciting, but that's not a story we can get into Hmm. right now. But thinking about it as far as when you're, when you're on a mountain and if you don't ski or snowboard, sorry, this is not going to make any sense, but you know what moguls are, right? Mm -hmm. 
like when you when you ski down, you see like a hill with moguls on them. And for those who are unaware, you can Google it. Moguls are essentially these bumps, and there's hundreds of them. And it's essentially a very deep path where you have to go back, forth, back, forth, back, forth, mm-hmm. really quick to get down the set of moguls. Right? Uh, have you been? I've, I could never do moguls, but do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, yeah. I I, I do them slowly. Like if I come across them, I'm like okay, I'm just gonna yeah. like I can do. Them. Yeah, but I'm not. Next <laughs> you're not the you're not the Olympic level. No. But if you don't know what this is, Google it because I think this image is super helpful. And essentially, the way you look at moguls, it, it, they're not made or combed. People don't go dig them with shovels. All they do to that mountain if they have, have has moguls on them is they just don't recomb it every night. They yeah. just let the natural paths from skiers keep getting deeper and deeper. And eventually, the paths get deeper, so more people go down them, and it gets deeper and deeper until you can't not go in the paths that are formed by the moguls. You can't not do that. Mm-hmm. So whenever you try and go outside of that path, it's going to feel wrong because in your brain, it's like trying to go out of a set of moguls, which is why I think psychedelics is cool because the way people describe it is it's essentially a, f- like a fresh powder that just gets laid over them so you can make new neural connections without those deep, deep paths. But I- I'm going to tell you this to feel comfortable. You're going to feel like you are full of crap when you start doing this because you're intentionally ignoring feelings, thoughts that come up that you can't avoid. But that's the part of neuroplasticity that you're mm-hmm. talking about. You have to do that because the more you start drilling in that path, the positive path, the deeper that path gets. Yeah. And it might not be 10 times or 100 times, but maybe 1,000 times. And that path starts to be easier to choose until it's just the default. Mm-hmm. And your brain now is stuck thinking positive. And I think that's <laughs> the coolest thing in the freaking world. But if you don't know what moguls are, Google it because I think that's a really powerful image. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like that. Yeah, and it's not like something everyone is – you have bad body image days. Like sometimes you're more confident than others. I hope no one's listening to this and thinking that this is like some black and white. Like you're either really negative or really positive. Like no, it ebbs and flows just like anything in your life. But what is instinct and in what you're striving for in terms of your overall mindset, how you view yourself, that should be constant. Even on the negative days when you're not feeling so hot – that mindset should still be a growth mindset of I'm still working towards being this person. That's still who I want to be. Like, yeah, I know I'm not having a great day today, but it's not shaping who I believe I am at all. Absolutely. It's uh, yeah. And that's because, I mean, that's where the repetition piece comes into it. This isn't something where you can lie to yourself five times and be like, Oh, I'm better. now. I never, I'm going to think about this man thousands and thousands of times and it'll become more automatic but that doesn't mean you're going to revert and go off path here or there or there it Mm -hmm. happens yeah so don't beat yourself up when that kind of comes to it so i think in changing that i mean it sounds like overall for all these pieces that help i think number one overall is telling yourself a better learning to tell yourself a better story about yourself yeah Mm -hmm. right in the neutrality aspect and it's going to feel weird and uncomfortable and awkward as hell at first but i feel like it's a big step in there. Now, what are some other things I think we can talk about to make that easier? Because I think there's things in our life that can make that harder. Like I know one we've talked about is your social media environment, yes, your friends, that's... your family, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So what are the, some things that can make that? Because that doesn't make it impossible, but mm-hmm. it definitely can make it either a lot harder or a lot easier, Yeah, I think. and Because I, I think a lot of it's your setting, your social media I was environment, gonna say you your, spend time with, stuff like that. Your social environment that could be in the media or in person is a huge, huge piece to pay attention to because that has such an influence on your thoughts, how you view yourself. 
how you view the world even. And I think it's not it. That's a piece if you could put work into, like I would definitely say if you notice it being a red flag to you could start there. And if you're talking about social media specifically, if you're constantly receiving subconscious ex, like external cues that make you subconsciously think negatively about yourself. If you are every time you open up TikTok or Instagram and you see someone that makes you feel negatively about yourself and you just keep scrolling and that's what you do. Oh, I wish I looked like that. Oh, she's so pretty. I could never look like that. This isn't fair. But if you're doing that in your head every single day, that is going to make it really difficult for you to change your mindset at all. Some people may not, you may not even notice you're doing it. That's where I see it's very dangerous is you may not even notice you're making that comparison. It's just instinctual for you to compare yourself to the beautiful fitness influencer that you see online. So sometimes a little purge of who you're following, you can still like this person. You could still find that they're inspirational, but maybe you have to unfollow them because your head keeps comparing yourself to them in a negative light. That's okay to do. You have control over that. You don't have control over what people create, but who you follow, if they make you feel like shit about themselves, it could be nothing that has to do with, with them at all. But unfollow them. You can always follow them again when you're in a better headspace. That's a, that's like yeah. a huge no-brainer to me, and I feel like not enough people do it. Like, I love a good purge. Well, yeah. and I was even saying, I think we were talking about this. I forget which episode it was. But if you're uncomfortable about unfollowing even to get yourself to do it, like mute their profile. You can still follow yeah, them, but you can mute it so that you don't see their stories, you don't see their posts. And I think it's important to note in improving that environment. I think when you're going through these changes, it's important to do that. But I oftentimes, not oftentimes, but I've seen it done before where it becomes a crutch where now it's like I've taken every negative stimulus out of my life. Mm -hmm. So whenever something does sneak in or show back up, Everything goes to, it just goes to shit, yeah. right? Everything falls apart, everything there. So it's one thing, get that out of your way a little bit so you can work on improving yourself. But you have to be doing the work. Again, yeah, because at the end of the day, the problem isn't the person on social media who you can, let's say a dude pops up. Uh, let's say Seabum. Let's say I really, every time I saw Seabum, who I have a crush on. Literally but don't know who he is. Chris Bumstead. Mr. Olympia. Oh my God, I just sometimes I forget how different our social media environments are. I'm going to send them to you. It's every man and woman's crush. It's kind of like the Ryan Reynolds of the bodybuilding community. But anywho, if every time I saw this guy pop up, right, he doesn't know me, he doesn't know who I am, but I compared myself to him, how good he looked, and it, it was eating at me a little bit. The problem isn't him popping up on my feed. The problem is me comparing myself. So that's the problem that I need to work on getting rid yeah. of. It can help to get that out of the way. So I'm not constantly having to press it down, press it down, press it down, because I'm going to get fatigued and, and run out of steam. But at the end of the day, you can't ignore that it's not him that's the problem. It's that issue inside of me. So that's where you got to be yeah, working on it in this, the meantime. So this is the thing like you have do this while you're also putting in the work because putting in the work is what's going to change that mindset. Exactly. Yeah. Eliminating the the triggers, I call them, that's not going to do anything. So this is, I just want to, this is where I have a huge bone to pick with people saying they're triggered, especially as someone who has gone through a lot of fucking work to get through my eating disorder. When people say this is triggering to me, like you, people have, there's about, there's times where I, you can see like, this is very triggering. If you're showing eating no food, like that's just dangerous and it could be triggering to people, but it's mainly just dangerous. So get that shit offline. But someone just doing their body check in the mirror, like maybe you don't align with it, but some people saying they're triggered by it. It's like, 
all right, maybe you don't like that someone's doing that, but if that's really genuinely triggering you, you haven't put in any work to allow you to just scroll past it, to say you're not interested. Like you have not done that. If you have to go on and comment that this is triggering, okay, well, some things, life is full of triggers. And if you don't know how to move past them, you haven't put in the work on your own self. If, if you're, just, yeah, that's shining a light that there's something missing on the inside. Yeah. That's probably helpful. top three misused psychological terms of the last year. That gaslighting is another it, one. It I think takes away overused. a lot of value of the word trigger too. Yeah. It pisses me off because now I'm like, well, if, now we're not actually yeah. paying attention to actual triggers like because yeah. everything is triggering to you. So I was talking about low calorie salad dressing. Like, oh, you know, this is just a great way to add, add some flavor without adding extra calories. And someone's like, that's so triggering to use these diet foods. I'm like, okay, well, if that's triggering to you, you've got some, I literally said, if that's triggering to you, you've got a lot of work to do. Like a lot. We'd say here our podcast about calorie deficits. Oh my God. No, yeah. But it, that, it's overused. That's because well, the environment, I, I, this is something that I think I had to realize I had working for me when mm -hmm. I was able to make the progress at becoming myself. And it was probably a couple of years and it, it's ever, it's always going on. It's always, yeah. But the few biggest years where I made that change was also when I had left my home environment, grew up in Denver, moved to Atlanta, Georgia. And then from when Atlanta to San Diego, a few years ago, the change of environment we've talked about before is stupid. It, it is stupid what it can do because it is a blank canvas when you get to reinvent yourself. But, and I know we've talked about this too, I, I realize now how insanely, whatever we want to say, privileged I was to be able to have that working for me. Mm -hmm. You cannot access that without drugs, essentially, like what that can do to change your perspective. Yeah. And it's not that easy just to be like, oh, we'll change your environment because someone might have a million different things tying them to the place where they are, whether it's they grew up or their family or whatever it is, right? It's not easy. It's not as easy as just picking up and moving across the country. That's mm -hmm. not realistic. And although I think it's one of the most valuable things you could do, it's not realistic for 99% of people. So I think people don't realize that you can change your environment sitting at home right now. And I think that social media environment is one of them. Yeah. And I know one of the common quotes is what it, like you are the average of your five closest friends or the five people you spend the most time with. Yeah. But people don't also realize that it's just the five people you spend the most time with. But what are you exposing yourself to or what's constantly being presented to you? Yeah. Your social media environment, what you do, what you listen to. And that's where during those times too, I would double down when I was out of a relationship. I was watching lectures on YouTube. I was reading books, listening to podcasts where I might not have had the best group of friends at the time even though I had some that were insanely important to me. But outside of that, like who I worked with, stuff like that, they didn't align with me. That was not a good group of people. They were bringing me backwards. But who you listen to, what you do. And I was reading, and I think even something as small as this, I think this would be a trick that a lot of people would like. It was from another Harvard Business Review from one of their psychology courses, but it was called the stimulus switch. And I'd never heard it before, but I thought it was so interesting because one of the main struggles when you're trying to reinvent yourself or rewrite the story is that we are all too just habituated in our normal environment. Our day-to-day -day looks very similar. Mm -hmm. Who we run into, what we do, what time we wake up, where we go to the gym, everything is the same stimulus over a certain amount of time, right? So we're constantly reinforced with the same image of how we look, how we operate through every single day. So the point of this was how do you expect yourself to change if you're constantly being reinforced with the same thing? 
and this is also why I think moving states or countries is so massive is because everything changes where you sleep, the pillow, you lay your head down at night, who you're interacting with the freaking weather, right? All of that is changing. So if you're at home or you're in a position where you can't change massively your environment, I love this. It's just simply changing very small and specific parts of your environment, i.e. the reflection you see in the mirror, the way you cut your hair, even for girls wearing bright red lipsticks, changing something about your appearance. I think this is honestly why a lot of people when they get out of a long-term relationship, cut their hair, dye their hair, they're reinventing themselves. They want new stimulus. I, that's also- What if I came <laughs> I one day and I just had short, like a bob? What I, would you do? I would check in on you. I'd be like, hey, hey we good? Like, everything I had good? a bob and a full face of makeup. Beat. That would be, that'd be, I would check in on you to make sure everything's good, which I, I bleached my hair and got this nose ring the month after I got out of the relationship mm -hmm. just for another one, but changing those small things that could be as simple as a new perfume or cologne to trigger a new scent. Or if you're just wearing the same sweatpants every day, or you barely comb your hair, do something, right? Do something to change that. Even how small that is, you can have the same job, the same friends, the same everything do something intentional to change part of that stimulus while you're going through these new changes that we're talking about. And I think that would make things so much easier without having to move states. But as you're telling yourself a new story, when you're practicing these things, be someone different. Cause if you, you are who you tell you are and yeah. you're not changing a thing about who you are physically or mentally or whatever, if that's all you see, it's going to be real hard to change past where if you can even just put those little triggers in there, I know we just talked about the word triggers, but those mm -hmm. small little changes in your environment, I think it goes a long way of saying, oh, I'm not that person. I can be this person. It's, it's interesting. But I thought that was a cool I, piece that I picked up from that article. It's like when I got bangs during COVID or right before COVID, like actual straight bangs, like what these are like not, these are, I used to have, I had them for like two years almost. I actually really liked him. Michael back one day, but it was such a little change, but seems so drastic because how I looked in the mirror, I was like, oh, wow. Like this is one of the reasons why I did it is because I was really struggling to keep up with myself and just like genuinely, this was a time where I was lost, kind of lonely. Depression was really bad, feeling insecure. I wanted to get bangs. So I would have motivation to do my hair because they look all crazy if you don't actually do them. Okay, this can motivate me to actually like put a brush to my hair and just feel like I'm doing something for myself, like really little changes to my routine, my day to day, like that can actually really go a long way. It's not, it could go past the superficial of like, oh, I just want to make this like drastic change. It's like, no, you can, ha you could kind of have that little hack in terms of this is actually going to make me take care of myself a little bit more. Yeah. I really, really like that, that stimulus switch idea. Now I have yeah. bangs, now I have you're, something you're, I have to do. Like You're physically, you're someone different. Cause it's going to feel weird. Yeah. And you might look so stupid when I bleached my hair. At the time, <laughs> I was like, this is so me. I look great. When I see pictures back, I'm like, I look stupid. Yeah, I look yeah. ridiculous. But that change was like, I am truly, you look at yourself in the mirror. You might just be a little bit different. But you'll see yourself, you're like, holy crap. Like, this is me. That's still me, but mm -hmm. I, that's nothing what I thought I was. Yeah. And it allows you to have the courage, the confidence to sometimes take those steps of challenging your beliefs or doing all these things, which is so cool. Because that's the one thing that you get with moving states is if I bleached my hair when I just moved to a new state, that's how people see me. That's how people know me. Mm -hmm. If I bleached my hair at home with everyone who I grew up with, my family, they're going to tell me how stupid it looks. They're going to tell me that it's not me. They're going to tell me it's dumb. They're going to tell me it's a phase. They're going to just reinforce, reinforce, reinforce that that is not who you are. Yeah. But if you're in a new place, no one else knows who you are, mm -hmm. right? That is who you are. So you get pieces of that 
with the moving piece while you're still at home with yeah. who you surround yourself, who you listen to, wearing red lipsticks. Don't bleach. Really put some thought into bleaching your hair. That was something I wish I put more thought into. But, <laughs> but that was a, a, a cool piece as well. Because yeah. I think that's those are actionable items too yeah. about changing your, your circle. Mm -hmm. oh, Do we wow. want to like round this up with anything? Is there anything else that you feel like we haven't covered? I think we could tie a bow in this. Absolutely. And I think the one final note, all it takes sometimes when you're going through all this change is one person to really truly see who you're trying to become, who you are. It takes one person sometimes to believe in you. Like if you're starting a business, if you're doing anything new, if you're doing something that takes challenge, there's going to be a million people that scoff at it that might not directly say, this is stupid, this is a bad idea but who just don't really give it the time of day, you know, when starting those things out, all it sometimes takes is one person to really pay attention and get, take it seriously. That's all it really is. Not mm -hmm. saying it's a good idea, but take whatever you're doing seriously. And I try my hardest to be that person with anybody else. Someone could bring up the most ridiculous idea in the entire world, but I want to hear about it. Tell me about it. Let's make this work. Be a problem. Mm -hmm. You can be that person to other people because you might be struggling with it too, but so is everybody else. So I would say, try your hardest to be that person. Like, for example, I would have never started this company. I would have never done anything. My best friend, Kirsty from Atlanta, without her, she was the first person to really, truly believe in who I was. Mm -hmm. I don't think I could be who I was or that one person. You yeah. can be that person and someone else. It's Your you friend, know, your sister, whatever. I love that. I don't know why this just hit me so hard, because, but it's how true it is. If you think about, I think about my mom. If you've ever had someone in your life that has just unconditionally believed in you. Have you ever thought and you're like, how? Yeah, you're make, like, why the hell think, do they believe How in me? do you think that this could happen? If you've ever had that thought when you're talking about to someone about your dreams, your aspirations, what you really want in life, and they are just absolutely enthralled, think you could do it, no questions asked. One, that's very lucky to have that person seek that that out. But it's when you have that, it's like, don't underestimate that. Don't just brush that off because that person sees you. They see you more than yeah. you see yourself and hold on to that because that unconditional just support and I'm here for you, lean into that because it is crazy how much others can actually see in you that you don't see, but also you could be that for someone else as well. So I love that it so much. But seriously, like people don't like, cause I know when you're going through it, you're trying to be someone who you're not, that you're trying to be in the future, mm -hmm. but people only see you as who you are. Yeah. So if you're not in shape, but you're trying to be in shape, you can see yourself as that person who's in shape. No one else does. Yeah. But all it takes is that one person who really gives it the time of day and sees what you're doing. You're going into the gym every day. You're really trying with meal prep. You're trying all these things. All they have to do is look and take that seriously and be like, oh shit, this person's serious. This person's fit. This person's healthy. Yeah. All it takes is that one person be that freaking person like take others seriously it's the coolest thing in the freaking world because you don't realize how much of an impact you could have on somebody else's life by just simply taking them seriously because mm -hmm. everyone else in their life probably isn't yeah they're seeing how they are so i oh, love it that was a great a, way to end it go be a good <laughs> all right said so, all right well as a final note as always we'll talk to all you in premium over on friday with this week's ana which is actually i think the legion giveaway week I want, I want. oh my god anywho we'll talk to y'all on friday if not we will talk to everybody else next monday if you have any questions as always hit us up in the dms talk to y'all soon